anyway, we're going to finish our Tasty series this week on self-control. We have went through the last eight to nine weeks on the fruit of the Spirit. We started with love, joy, peace, patience. How many love patience? Gentleness. Yeah, oh my. And you know, the word we're going to talk about today, I call this love. When you're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, love, everything generates our love. But self-control holds everything together, holds all the fruit together. And self-control is such an important thing. I think God put it on the end, so because if you can't practice self-control, all the fruits of the Spirit will nullify in your life. See, we talked about that gifts are given, but fruit is growth, grows. You grow into your fruit. But gifts are given, they're free. But comes, you know how you get better fruit? You grow into it. And self-control is one of those things we all can use some help in, can't we? In fact, Proverbs 25, 28 says this. A man without self-control is like a city broken into, left without walls. This is Proverbs. This is our Solomon. Remember Solomon? He had a lot of self-control, didn't he? How many wives did he have? How many? Someone give me a number. How many? And 300 what? Concubines? A thousand women. That was self-control. So he qualifies a right. Most of the book of Proverbs, and we're going to go through the book of Proverbs today. I love Proverbs because it's straightforward. When we talk about self-control, we're talking about like a city without walls. And if you look at in history and the walls of Jerusalem, when they, sit, when they had a wall up around your city, that really meant that you were protected from the outside elements. And those walls were about 39 feet high and about not eight feet wide. And when the people of it, children of Israel were inside those walls, they felt protected, especially with the temple and God's presence being there. But whenever they destroyed the temple and whenever they destroyed the walls, they had a breach in the walls where the enemy can come in and lay raids upon them because they were unprotected. And that's like a person without self-control. Basically, a lack of self-control is an open gate for more sin. Think about it. When you, go, when you think about uh, one of the biggest things we have problems with, road rage. We get behind cars. We're crazy. And we had an incident February 9th of this year. We read about it. It was two guys that got into a fight on South 14th in Sales Boulevard. One guy got behind the other guy. He was going too slow. He went around them. Little exchange happened. Okay? Should have left it at that. Well, it elevated. I'm going to get out the car and give him a piece of my mind. Oh, before I get out, let me take my pistol with me. And then the guy in the car, oh, he has a pistol? So, they have a stare down. They have an argument, both carrying guns. Over. One gets back in the car. You thought it would be over. Lack of self-control. One guy backs his car up into the other guy. Oh, we're going to do this again. So we're going to get out. And this time, I'm going to fire. And the guy wound up killing the guy. You see how one incident elevated to the next incident, elevated to the next incident. It's good to have weapons if you have self-control. But with a mistake, we know where the problem happened when you get out the car the first time. It starts to elevate. It's like a wall's broken down in your life. You start one thing, and things start to flood into your life. Because now you've breached 
that protection mode. And this guy's going to prison. And after what he was surprised, of course, because it elevated to a level to death incurred. And that's what he's talking about here. When the children of Israel had no walls, they were vulnerable to the enemy. And every time that they either they were, had, they were uh, obedient to God, they had peace. You can read it in the Old Testament. Whenever they're disobedient to God, they had war. And all God did was, since you don't need me any longer, I'm not going to judge you. I'm just going to leave you. You know, the worst kind of judgment is leave you to yourself. You don't need my protection. Have at it. And that's what a man or a woman without self-control. Lack of sin is open gate for more sin, road rage. There's a young guy now. I'm not going to tell you the team. He keeps continually getting in trouble. And they had to have a contract with this young man, football player. Now he has to have midnight curfew. He can't drink alcohol, attend strip clubs, and has to have a security team follow him all over the place just to play football. So he went from um, breaking curfew to getting drunk, which lead me to going to a strip club, which lead me to more and more lack of self-control. The reason why the world is trying to do that and the world of sports is trying to do that, I read an article the other day, said this. Quite simply, self-control is the ability, the ability to regulate our personal impulses and reactions. It's the realization that behavior, not moods or emotion, but behavior is often a choice. Self-control is often referred to as self-regulation. Why is it important? The answer is eerily simple. If you can't control yourself, someone else must control you. And it gets down, our society is dying from a lack of self-control. Overspending, overeating, drinking, and drug use. Those who don't have self-control, again, they'll have someone else control you. We've seen that with our young children, those who have innovative minds, those uh, who are just maybe a little more active, more uh, in, their, in, their, in their place of in school. And we see, well, they're too active. Let's control them and give them some drugs versus mine out that creativity. Now, some of them might need them, but a lot of them don't. Now, if you knew me growing up, oh, yeah. I was out of control, and my mother had a remedy. It was called a B-E-L-T. That put me under control. And any other disease that I thought I had, they beat the disease out of you. So we learn self-control. Sometime, I might help some parents out today. You don't need a pill. You need the B-E-L-T. Don't cost you nothing but some time. Oh, I forgot, that's old school. You might call CPS on me. And I'll beat you when you come back from CPS. <laughs> Happened in my house. <laughs> that's how it works. Yeah, I'm preaching now, aren't I? You better believe it. You better believe it. Because if little Johnny falls out in Walmart now, Little Johnny is going to be stealing cars in 20 years. Because if he can get away with that, he can get away with anything else. Come on now. 
And those are the things we see. We see great senators fall from lack of self-control. Lose the presidential race because of lack of self-control. And it's a big issue. That's the bad news. Now, as a believer, we have good news. Let's start in um, Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. So I'm out self-control, how we have the fruit of self-control. Again, but it's a choice to believe the Bible and the Word of God. It says this, if you're there, Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. I have my Bible here. If you have your Bible, open it up. You don't want the pages to get, rough, get stuck. You want to use your Bible as often as you can. If you have a smartphone, use that. If not, it's on our screens. It says this, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for who? All people. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. See about salvation. Yes, salvation redeems us. The grace of God redeems us. But the grace of God also reforms us. It trains us. To say no to worldly passions, no to lust, no to that what the world celebrates. It get, the grace of God equips us to say no. We're not on our own on this. The Holy Spirit working through us helps us to say no. When you hear this commercial, just say no. They're only half true because you got to give someone else the equipment and the tools to better keep their no's as no's. And we have the Holy Spirit who equips us, who fills us up and helps us to say no, helps us to renounce sin, helps us to renounce lust. All those things gives us salvation. True. But guys, it doesn't just stop there. He trains us. I love this favorite commercial on ESPN. Got RG3 in. If you don't know, he's playing for the Washington Redskins. And he says, greatness is not given. Greatness is taken. And it shows him training for the game. Training. It's like the believers of God. How we train. We get in his word. We get in his presence. We get with other people. We're training to do great things for greatness. All of us have greatness in us. But you have to mind that out. You got to know what God says about you. You can't default to what the world says about what you should do. I'm 55 years old. They, me, they told me I should have 2.3 extramarital affairs. Are they crazy? Why would you do that? It's expected. Well, that's expected for the world, but not a child of God. So when you hear all that stuff, you got to train yourself. How do you train yourself? That Bible that you either take with you or you leave home is the word of God. I can't, I can't say this enough. You can't separate the voice of God from the person of God. Let me explain myself. This is God's word. He says, my, my sheep will hear my voice, will know my voice. Where is God's voice? In his word. Where is God? In his word. You can't separate the voice from the person. You want to hear what God says personally about you? Go to Psalms 139 and read about it. I'm fearfully, wonderfully made. My thoughts are great towards you. Who said that? God himself. So when we hit against the Bible, everyone says, that's legalistic. No, you're picking God up with you every single day. 
to stay in control of your life. You can't separate the voice from the person. God's word speaks to us. That means God is speaking directly to me, to you. You have a bad day. When we, 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 we cheered about Isaiah 54, 7, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. That means if someone's shooting at you, you got the word from God. It's not going to prosper. Who said that? God himself. Can't separate the voice from the person. And the person speaks to his word. I want to encourage you. When we talk about self-control, we can give you accountability. We can give you five steps to be successful, but you got to go home. And the greatness that's in you will be mined out when you hear the voice. And that person tells you, you are awesome. You will do all things through Christ who strengthens. You are, you will, you will, you will. My faith is enough. My grace is enough. Who's saying that? God. How? Through his word. But you got to train. Everyone likes Michael Jordan. You got, we saw 12 good years of Michael Jordan. He had 20-something years of training. Greatness is all in this room to change the campus, to change our community, to change our high schools. But, guys, you got to train. You're in Abilene High. They put you in that sweat box, don't they? He ain't going to give you another a room. He wants you guys to sweat because you guys become better than everyone in the, in the conference because they got nice luxury boxes. You got the sweat box because you're training for raining. Is your Bible sorry? <laughs> got to train. Greatness isn't given to you. It's taken. And guess who's giving it to you? Jesus. So you got to, when you're training, when I grew up, when I was born, I was born addicted to drugs. My mother and father was. Heroin addicts. When I was 13, they told me all that. That's a good age to tell someone that. They said, you're going to have these urges, man. It's okay. You're going to have urges to want to do drugs. You're going to have urges to want to get high. But it's okay because I had to come down. I had to have sugar cubes and whatever they put in and bring me down. I was 13 months old when I was placed in a home. And I remember, I didn't know anything about that. Nothing. They didn't have to tell me anything. I've been fine. I didn't know I didn't have the same last name. I didn't know my, 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 dad, was, my dad was Terry's complexion. I didn't care. Then you tell me at 13, you're going to have these urges. It's going to be okay. And you might not live long. So what do you think I did? I defaulted into what they said. And I was a dumb drunk, and I was even dumber doing drugs. I hated that. Who wants to walk around always, what's going on? What's going on? Out of control. I was the dumbest criminal. I tried to do stuff. It didn't work. A friend of mine got raped. I walked down one of the worst, one of the greatest neighborhoods with a gun, looking for the guy who did it. Guess what? Had no firing pin in the gun. This is the 70s. I'm African American in a white neighborhood with a gun with no firing pin in it. With cops in them days who had no self-control. They saw you, they will shoot you. I'm the dumbest criminal ever. 
There's no bullets in this gun. And I'm in this neighborhood. I placed that all back to God saying, son, when you grow up and you know who you truly are, I'm going to keep you from getting killed out here in the streets. Why? I defaulted to what they said. Not to what my father says. So I had to train hard, even today, and fight those things that try to make me default into what they said. I don't know why I'm sharing this because some of y'all are fighting about what other people said. And you need to be fighting and training for what God said. So training. Salvation not only changes our position, it changes our attitudes, appetites, ambitions, and actions. It changes all that. Our appetite is different when we're born again. When I walked in the world, I didn't know I was messing up. Then I got born again, and then my conscience started beating me up. I'm like, what is that? Because I have a new nature. I have new actions, new thoughts, new attitudes. My ambition is not about me. My ambition is for other people. That's what salvation is. It's more than what you think in just saying a prayer. It's a whole lot bigger than that. So God equips us to be have self-control. Give you a, let me give you a meaning of self-control. Straight from the Strong's Concordance. Self-control, the virtue of one who masters one's desires and passions, especially one's, sens- especially one's sensual appetite. This is straight out of Strong's. Because we're fallen, we live in a fallen world. We need self-control. Give you three areas the Holy Spirit teaches us self-control. First one, in what we say. He teaches us in what we say. Proverbs 17. I love Proverbs. It's just going to speak for itself. 17, 27, 28 says, I love this. Whoever restrains his words has what? And he who has a cool spirit is a man of what? 28. Even a fool who keeps sound is considered wise. When he closes his Lips, he is deemed what? How many of y'all know people that just talk too much? And you fade out, and you come back, don't you? They're still talking. <laughs> and you don't think they're wise, do you? Because they won't listen. They have no time to listen. We used to do the Mars phone over. Oh, okay, y'all really going on this one. Y'all got a lot of friends. I mean, y'all need to get them saved. We used to have the Mars phone overseas, and you had to speak. And every time you said, hey, how you doing, over, then the next person could speak. If you didn't say over, they couldn't speak. So the one that, da, 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 and, the guy, and the guy who was listening on the phone, he would say, will you say over, will you say over? So people don't know this, they stop just running their mouths. Lack of self-control. Sometimes it's great just to say what? Nothing. Because when you walk with understanding, you're slow with your answers. And I tell you, I get to sit on boards, and I know nothing about those boards. But they think I'm smart because I don't say nothing. What I'm doing, I'm learning what they're saying. So when they ask me a question, oh, that's what they said. So let me compute that. Maybe I can help. Versus I'm going in, and I'm going to tell them what's going on. 
And you don't get anywhere, especially when you go get a new job. You need to be humble. You need to say less and do more. In what we say, God gives us that self-control. Second one, in our temper. How many have a bad temper? How many is going to admit that? Six out of 200. Okay. How many have a habit of lying? That means you all have a temper problem. <laughs> Proverbs 29, 11. My father said, keep your temper. No one else wants it. A fool gives vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. Let's go to Proverbs 16, 32. <laughs> Whoever slow to anger is better than a mighty, and he who rules the spirit than he who takes a city. Now, I got to be honest with you. I studied on this lesson on Tuesday, Tuesday afternoon, I fell on it. On South First, had a guy on the side of me. I need to get over because my wife said, you got to get down, you got to go get something to eat. I'm trying to get on the highway to get on South First, to get on uh, Loop, uh, whatever that thing is, the, uh, the free, whatever that freeway is. Anyway, guy wouldn't let me over. So I figured, you know, you got this old broken down, busted up truck. I got a Toyota Avalon who's faster than you. So I gunned it. Me and my holy, me just preaching about this. And I even saw a video on this about road rage. <laughs> See how much I fell on it, right? So I pull out. and <laughs> I got in there. Like, yeah. You know what he did? He rolled down the window. And then he commenced to show everybody, because there's a policeman there too. And he said, you're number one. In fact, he used the wrong, he used a different finger. <laughs> but you know who instigated the incident? Glad I didn't have a fish on my car. Because I was saying, Lord, wait, before you convict me, let me tell this brother off something. <laughs> now, nah, if I was in New York, I would have chased him down. But I wouldn't have caught him because I was a dumb criminal. So I'm saying, slow to anger. It says, those with self-control are mild mighty than those who take a city. So it's mild magnificent than those who are conquerors when you can have self-control. Because again, we see mighty great men fall because of lack of self-control. Had everything, a career, a presidential shot. You read the papers, I don't have to give you names. And from lack of self-control, it all came crumbling down in one incident. Or not even one, because they got caught in that one. That means they grew up with this thing. Because it had to be worked out of them. They got caught before, they just never paid attention to it. Who's ever slow to anger, keep your anger. Now, I, hopefully, I'll get to see that guy again. Not to repent, because I'm the one who's supposed to know better. Because I have the Holy Spirit in me. But you see how easy that is? God said, well, if you're going to preach it, you might as well get embarrassed yourself. Because you can't say you're perfect at this. Oh, no. My dad taught me, he taught me how to fly off the handle. I got to give him a piece of my mind. They don't want your mind. <laughs> give him the Bible. 
Can I get your word in? Don't get your word in. I learned that in the military. If you be quiet, the meetings will end sooner. <laughs> We're in there. Who left the wrench in the seat? I don't know. But everyone, not me, not me, not me. I said, okay. It was in my section. I know those people. I did it. Well, that's, no, I'm saying this because I don't have to stay here all day. I did it. Well, you got to go pick it up. Okay, I'll go pick it up from the colonel's office. I don't care. At least I'm getting out of here. Because we don't need to talk about who did it. And everyone's getting mad at each other. Just give me the wrench. I'll get beat up for a little. It's okay. He'll fire me. He'll rehire me back by 3 o'clock. <laughs> so I learned. Be the peacemaker. You can throw water on the fire or you can throw fire on the fire. When you slow the anger, you're throwing water. And people start to perceive this is a man or woman of peace, not of war. Make sense? Last one is, in our thoughts, 2 Corinthians 10.5, in our thoughts. He wants us to have self-control in our thoughts. This is Paul speaking to the Corinthian church. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. He's talking about spiritual warfare and how, how uh, intense it really is. When we look at that word in, in verse 4 about warfare, if you look at it in the Greek, it means campaign. There is a campaign set against you in your thought life. Every day, the enemy, Satan, tries to plant something in your, in your mind to stump your growth or stump your walk for that day. It's not something we want to have a shock and awe moment with when you talk about, um, um, talking about deliverance ministry and all those things. Shock and awe. We knock it out in six hours. It won't come back. There's a logistical campaign waged against you to get some objectives through. Same way God has a campaign against Satan. And I think God's campaign wins a whole lot more because Jesus won it. But now we live it out here on earth. So this is a strategic campaign against your mind. That's why people can come in here one way and leave the same way because your mind is, is, is so locked up. See, the strongholds of false philosophies, opinions, pride, and sin of this world should be demolished and become subject to the all-conquering Christ. You talking about demolishing something? I love to watch um, war movies when a bomb hits a target and just blows it up. That's how Jesus, that's how the gospel blows up those things in our minds. Every, every high argument, everything, it blows it all up from our all-conquering Christ. Because you got to recognize something. Your behavior reveals your thoughts. Your behavior reveals your thoughts. And some of you come in here with some thoughts. They're not godly. Labels. Those things are not benefiting you at all. And again, when I talk about you can't separate the voice of God from the person of God. The only one that can get those, lab- those things out of your mind, um, Joyce Meiser calls the battlefield of the mind, is the word of God. Show you a couple things some of y'all might have walked in here with. It's one word. Terry, can you come up and put this word, open this word up? 
Just flash it in front of everybody. I'm just going to have you hold it. How about the word hatred? Some big ones here. How about uh, you two guys? It's just two. Why don't y'all open this one up? Stand next to Terry. How about resentment? Sterling, I love your name. I can't help it, man. I'm, I'm just sold out for your name, but this guy I know. I know this guy, this cat named Sterling. He's such a cool cat, man. Really, he's like his mother. Mother gave him everything he had. Your mom here? The best name in the world. Wow, my son's name is Sterling. Why don't you open that up and go over there with them? How about Envy? Here's a hot one. Uh, come here, Casey. Why don't you open that one up over here? How about the word anger, guys? And two of them that are really huge. I need two people for this. Miss Helen and Jeff. Come on, open this up. See, what they talk about strongholds in our lives, in our minds, that he builds up these strongholds in our minds that keeps us from even relating to God and relating to people. And we walk around with them so silently, we don't even know we fell safe into those things. This one is unforgiveness. This is huge. I used to work on ejection seats that do amazing things, but one 59-cent pin will keep a seat from firing and saving anybody. This is one of those pins, unforgiveness, a stronghold in the mind. When you walk around with that, it results in broken relationships. Everyone who walks around unforgiveness, everyone they meet does not stand a chance because they're going to offend you too. You're going to be offended. To, you're gonna, they're going to get offended by you or that someone new because they were offended by someone else. And this is such a big stronghold in people's lives. And if it's unchecked, boy, if it's unchecked, there's another one that comes out. You two guys are awesome. Come on. Unchecked unforgiveness. Take that one and roll it out over that way if you can. Leads to bitterness. And these are strongholds. And we think shock and awe is going to destroy these things. But it's an ongoing fight. You got to fight not to get offended. You got to fight not to be envious. You got to fight not to be resentful. You got to fight not to hate your brother who just checked you out or checked you off. You got to renew your mind. When we talk about self control, because your behavior will reveal your thoughts. When you're upset with people, it's your thought life. If you have unforgiveness, they're offending me again. I'm out of here. Because it's in your mind. And what's in your mind will weather out in, the, in your behavior. And these are what we say. These are the little sins. No, these are the big sins. Because these will destroy your life. And all of us, I hear it. I came in here one way. I can't change. Know why? Because you have strongholds in your mind, which has reached to your heart. Which all this results in, when we talk about being a family, results in broken relationships because those who have hatred in their heart can't love their brother so how do they even know god is un- an envy of your of your whoever your family member is they got more than i do and this causes overspending because you want to be like the joneses 
And everybody said, what is it? It's not the overspending problem. It's the envy problem. This, this, the nation fell not because of bad management. It was because we were greedy. Because we're envious of our neighbor. They got a new car. I got to have a new car. You can't afford the car. You got to impress, try to impress people who do not really care. But these are strongholds that a lot of us walk in here with. Self-control of our minds, which results in our temper, and it results in what we say. And by golly, when you're trying to build the kingdom of God the way Jesus built it, follow him as we follow one another. When animals are walking in any of this, we can't, even, we can't even get along. This will bust up a church or bust up a life group, bust up any kind of ministry there is. And these are hidden things, but they're not really hidden because we see it played out in people's hearts. Why can't they connect? Because they got hurt the last church. And this one, Envy, I, that pastor got a nice car. I don't, he must be stealing the money. You ain't got to worry about that. I work for the government. <laughs> They're already doing a good job on me. I want you guys to look at that. And the only way to break this cycle is through God's word. The voice of God who speaks over unforgiveness. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. It's Jesus. Anger, bitterness, the root of bitterness that we will miss God. You hear that. Your mind is screaming that. You hear all this all the time, but the Bible goes against it. And God's voice should be speaking to you every single day. I took from what I did wrong. I had to repent. Whenever I got to repent that, from that guy to that guy. I could have been envious. I could have been... Um, Angry, I was for a second. Then I had to repent. Why? Because I read God's word, his voice, the person of God. I get to walk with God every single day. How about you? How about you? Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want y'all to stay right there. The reason why I put it with people, I want it to be more effective when you see that because we walk in like this one thing about the walls of Jericho I was reading in Joshua chapter 6 when Jericho fell God wanted them to march around six days don't do anything except play music seventh day walk around it seven times and then God gave them the victory. The walls fell down. When I look at the, the, the story, that story, Jericho represents the world. I look at Jericho is all in our minds. There was a few things that happened there. Then walls fell through obedience, through prayer, through praise, God's presence, his power, and God's people. All those things which represents, if you look at all those things, are in his church. The things we stick away from, his power, his presence, people. 
that all together, as we're praying for you, are helping those strongholds in your mind to be demolished. If you've been dealing with any of those issues, every eye is closed, every head down.